Welcome to the FinFeed podcast. FinFeed brings you all the latest in market moving ASX small cap news as well as interviews with innovative and groundbreaking company leaders and entrepreneurs. Today we're speaking with business owner and entrepreneur Yemi Penn, who at age 24 was homeless with a young child on the way and her dreams suddenly dissipating. Yemi is here to tell us how she turned things around, how people can navigate the economic downturn and how businesses can give their employees hope for the future. Yemi, thanks for joining us. No, thank you. I love that introduction. I'm all about that. So I, I appreciate being given the platform. Thank you. I just want to talk to you firstly about entrepreneurship before we get into your early life. What makes a good entrepreneur, do you think? Oh, look, I have a chapter in my book actually dedicated to entrepreneurs, and I think it's called Fear and Entrepreneurship. I think a good entrepreneur is someone who learns to dance with fear. You know, some people are trying to eradicate fear. And I think that's a really difficult task. Never say never. But I think a good entrepreneur is someone who can manage fear, look it in the face, figure out what the worst is can happen and actually pivot and make it work for them. Because even the greatest of the greats have had fear, but they've kept on going. And the most of the most phenomenal stories I hear from entrepreneurs tend to be from people who lost everything and started again. Which is similar to what your story is. You lost a lot early on. You were kicked out of home, homeless, with a child on the way. Yeah. But you managed to turn that around. Speaking of fear, what fears did you have in those early days And then how did you manage to come out of all of that? Oh, look, I think a big thing for me that had happened, so I've just got dogs barking in the background, but I'm sure we can keep going. The big thing that happened for me was fear of the unknown. That was what worried me more than anything. It was the fact that I didn't know what tomorrow or the days after were going to look like. And so I ended up having to kind of I guess trusting in something, you know, everyone's got something they believe in. And for me, I was backing myself. You know, I definitely, you know, believe in my higher self, God, the universe. But I think for me, it was a case of, I have to believe I'm going to be okay. I have to believe there are other people that have gone through what I'm going through. So either way, I'm going to make it through the next day. And, and that period that I was homeless was scary because it was never, it was never in the writing of my life that that would be the case. Yeah, I mean, you came from a a fairly stable family, had six siblings as well, and then it all fell apart. But but as you said, you sort of had that mindset where I guess you figured that at some point it would all turn around. How do you stay positive in that sort of environment, especially when the environment you previously had was fairly safe? (laughs) That's a loaded question, isn't it? I truly believe it's actually knowing that there's more. You know, without going into history, you know, I've read Yuval Harari's book, Homo Sapiens, and it talks about the history of of humanity and how different cultures have come and claimed certain parts. Without knowing or giving it a title, I knew that there were people before me. You know, if we all we have to do, you know, I lived in Nigeria for a bit, then I moved to the UK. Now I live in Sydney, Australia. There is something in listening to the history of how other people have overcome more that really gave me that edge to just keep my stuff together, if for want of a better word. And that truly was it. You know, they say the best way to learn is to model off of those that have been here before us. And to really be a pioneer, you want to improve what they did. And, and I think subconsciously, that's what I did. Who are some of those people that you were looking at? A big one for me, and look, this would definitely be culturally based, was because, you know, they say it's difficult to be what you can't see. So the stories of Martin Luther King Jr., you know, I'd, I'd watch live videos of him. And I know that we use this a lot and it's cliche, 
but he seemed to have a, a mellow temperament most of the time. And you seem to hear him telling people to fight for what they want in the most positive senses. And sadly, we lost him too early. But then I also think of Rosa Parks. I mean, she must have been scared as hell mm. sitting at the front of the bus. You know, we look at what we're going through in the world and it's going to take that level of bravery to question things in the name of peace and love. And I think most entrepreneurs do that. I think they question the status quo and turn it on its head and are willing to take the risks that come with it. So those two have been phenomenal for me. I think with Rosa Parks, that's the ultimate in courage, isn't it? To defy, I guess, public norm and and even rules and regulations. Absolutely. And I think we need to do it if we want change, whether it's in your business, your personal family life, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You yourself, I mean, you also had an engineering degree behind you. And I know last time we spoke, you said that you had failed at that to begin with. So looking at that degree and the career path that you were in, what were your dreams and your hopes at that time? And how did you, I guess, come back around to focusing on your dreams and your goals? I think it's funny because, I mean, most of us have a story and I make reference to my culture and we've all got a culture. And there was this silent thing that I was to be a lawyer. My dad was a lawyer. And so it was just, you know, that my oldest brother hadn't gone through that process, but my parents suggested I should. And I can't, I can't figure out whether there's a silent rebellious side to me, but my dream then was to do what I wanted to do. And I remember putting together an Ikea desk that took me the best part of 48 hours when I was meant to take two. But I was so excited at doing that, that my dream then was to build things. And engineering was the closest degree I could have related to that. So that really was. And as I continued to do my degree, I started to find that I was a really stark minority on all levels. And similarly, there's just something in me to want to prove that just because someone says this is the only way doesn't mean it is. So I think that started from that age. Mm -hmm. However, I think the minute I became a mother and had gone through that phase of being homeless was when I truly started to question whether this was the only way to live life. And so my dreams expanded. My dreams expanded past just having one career all of your life, expanded past the notion of what a single parent should look like, what a single mum should look like. And so I think literally in the past five, six years, I've been breaking down structural norms. So my dreams change often. And and right now my dream is to empower so many other people to the dormant potential, either in themselves, their employees or their business. You were in a housing estate at the time that you just had a kid, the London riots were going on, which would have been as frightening as it could possibly be. Yeah. At what point did you think that I'm going to relook at what my dreams and my goals were and, and what was the catalyst for turning things around? I mean, look, the fire incident, I can't remember what year, might have been just before 2012. That was a big trigger, number one. You know, you hit the nail on, on the head because for me, It was myself and my daughter. She was about four years old. And I just felt like I couldn't protect her if we were to be attacked in that instance. Mm -hmm. So I'll be honest with you, then I think I probably had, what do I call them, limiting belief that I needed to be married to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And this is what we do. We create constructs of of how we think we're going to be safe. So that was my first point. But if I was to fast forward, because even when I did get married, you know, it turns out that we sometimes are always looking outwards for something to save us. And I needed to do something internally. So another shifting point for me was when I noticed myself jumping from scenario to scenario, in some instances, it was my relationships, that I realized I needed to do the work internally, which is, what is it that's going to make me happy? What's the life I'm actually trying to build? 
because otherwise I was going to be, I guess, traveling or moving a lot. And those two things with the catalyst, the riots and then getting married and realizing, ah, they're still not giving me everything I thought I wanted. Mm -hmm. When you come to that conclusion, how difficult is it then to rebuild your confidence to be able to move forward? Yes, that's a good question. I'll be honest with you, Australia was and remains a safe haven for me. I think what I needed to do, if I was to put it in really simple terms, was take myself out of the environment in which I believe the problem was created. I think it's Albert Einstein that said, you cannot use the same mindset to find a solution in the same environment in which the problem was created. For me, I needed to physically remove myself from where I was, whether that was the UK or Japan, and put myself in a different environment. I don't tend to have a gray area, so I moved to Australia from the UK. But I think this is metaphorical as well, that you really need to do that. And that's exactly what I did. And to be honest, I do it every single time, you know, with this current climate, with COVID, I'm having to change the brain that was used to create every single one of my businesses to pivot and survive and and hopefully thrive in the future. Mm -hmm. So new country, new start. When you got to Australia, how did you compare Australia to UK? What did you think it would offer you? And how, I guess, did you then build up your businesses and that entrepreneurial streak that you have in you? This feels like a a trap of a question, but I'll be honest because it ends on a good note. When I first moved here, I thought, what the hell am I doing? (laughs) Firstly, I have to be honest, I was absolutely blinded by the beauty that is Australia. It really is. You know, I got to travel a few states, so it wasn't just, you know, New South Wales, Sydney. I thought it was beautiful. However, I struggled. I struggled because, once again, I was a stark minority in more ways than ever has been in my life. And I knew that my kids would go through the same thing. Mm. So that was number one. Number two, the pace of life seemed to be really slow, really, really slow, however, compared to London. Mm. But what I needed to do, as I found out, I think about 13 months in, is I needed to change my mindset. I actually needed the pace to be slower because London had me on this rat race wheel that had my head spinning. And because I'd gotten used to life being only that way, I really um, forgot to realize that being slow was good for me. It was almost like a a non-committed meditation, but it took me a couple of months, potentially years to realize that. And as a result, the minute I changed and shifted my perspective, I started to see the opportunities that could arise. I started to get to know myself a bit more. I started to do alternative healing, alternative, getting business coaches. Mm-hmm. And it was from that space, from that slow pace, that I realized I really, we do need a tribe in most instances, but I needed to be my biggest champion. And that was when I remember in 2015, December, I decided, okay, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to start my own company which meant I was going to need to be the one to bring in the bacon. When we go and we work for someone else, nothing wrong with that. You almost rely on them wholeheartedly to bring that flow of work on the premise you continue to give your time. Mm-hmm. I decided to make the call that, okay, I'm going to take the risk because the rewards will be bigger. And that was the catalyst. Because once that happened, I think my income pretty much doubled, tripled, and my risk appetite and dreams started to come more to the forefront. Mm -hmm. I just want to take a step back to something you just said within that answer and and, then sort of discovering who you are. Mm. Who are you? (laughs) Oh, my gosh, you sound like Eckhart Tolle on an Oprah show. (laughs) Who am I? Oh, my gosh. Who am I? Oh, this is going to sound really woo-woo, but bear with me. I really like to describe myself Mm. as someone who's just observing the experiences I'm having. And the reason why I say that is because... 
I think I've been riddled and a lot of us are with emotions. And if I don't put myself in observer mode, I find myself getting tangled. I lose my balance, Mm -hmm. either with my children, losing my temper or having fear when a business gets shut down. So I really am the observer of what's going on. If I was to then just come back and give a real straight up answer, I'm whoever the hell I want to be. That really is. Today, I want to be the person who's running my gym in the UK. Tomorrow, I might want to be that really fun mum who takes the kids and laugh and we dance all day long. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. For some people, it's difficult to take that on because we have a construct of how we're meant to fit. That doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned observing there, observing, listening, all of those sort of qualities that people have or should have. How key have those qualities been in, I guess, you building your businesses? Because you have three businesses now, you're turning over 1.6 million. So you, you're quite successful in terms of, you know, where you've come from and, you know, where you're heading. Yeah. Look, they've been pivotal. You know, I talk when I do some of the programs, when I go into organizations, I talk about masculine and feminine energy. And most people are used to thinking masculine energy is only present in men and feminine energy only in women. And it's definitely not the case because I think I have been driven predominantly by my masculine energy. And my masculine energy, to be honest, has been the one that has allowed me to not be as fearful to kick off some of my business ventures. My feminine energy is where for me I've tapped into more emotional intelligence and as a result has allowed my businesses to take off into a whole nother level. I think my magician, as I call it, is part of my feminine energy. So the work I've done on myself, personal development, has actually allowed my businesses to grow more effortlessly than I would have ever imagined before because most of the time now business comes to me because I'm working from an authentic hardworking place mm-hmm. and that's a mix of both and I think once people find that balance I truly believe that's where the sweet spot is for entrepreneurs yeah yeah just uh, so our listeners know can you just take us through very quickly what those businesses are yep so I have management consultancy in engineering so I mainly look at infrastructure projects and that's penny consulting so my biggest clients tend to be within the transport sector but we're also in health and education I then have a fitness studio in London f45 Brixton so I'm the owner operator of that and then I've got my mindset transformation which is really underpinning all my businesses and that is about how can we change our mindset shift our perspective to get the outcome we want And then I'm always dabbling in something else, whether it's an app or a book or a podcast. But those are the three key businesses I'm on and with lots more dreams on the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you mentioned F45 there before we get into the mindset side of things. Yeah. That took off. That that was huge. What do you think was behind that? Because it's just massive now. These dudes, you know, sometimes because I still, you know, we have meetings with HQ and... I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure they knew it was going to take off like this. And that's the beauty of dreaming big, because I'm sure they shared it with people and people thought they were nuts. I think the secret behind it, honestly, for me, was they kept it simple. They made it obtainable for the average, you know, man, woman, you know, husband, wife, 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 couple, whatever. But for me, the biggest reason why it did so well, it was clean and it was community meets technology. Mm -hmm. That for me was why I bought into that game. And in a world that technology is booming, necessary community, which is why the whole social distance and terminology irks my ears. It should be physical distancing. It was social community meets technology. And I, I think people go in there and they leave feeling euphoric. So for me, it was a winner. And as a result, they've been very successful for it. 
Yeah, yeah. I do want to touch on mindset, particularly in the times that we're, we're living in at the moment. It looks yeah. like restrictions may ease yeah, at some point, but for the last few months we've been pretty much locked down and, and people have lost their jobs. It's been very tough on people. Yeah. How can not just employees but the employers keep a positive mindset but also how can the employers, I guess, keep their employees feeling safe? Yeah. Oh, that's a big one. That's a big responsibility. So let's break it up. I probably want to start with the employee. So yeah, I think if I was to ever write another book, it would be, you know, representing for the underdog. And I'm not suggesting employees are the underdog, but they tend to be looking towards the employer to mm. save them. And you just use the right word safe. I think for me, it would be to empower the employees to be part of the conversation of what it looks like during this lockdown and what it will look like afterwards. Mm -hmm. Most people have given the invitation want to be part of it. And when they do feel included, so employers, whatever they're deciding, yes, I know you need your leadership team to come up with a framework of what it could look like, but invite people into the conversation. You know, I sadly had to let someone go in one of my businesses because I didn't get the government funding that I thought I was going to get to support but I made sure he was part of the conversation. I gave an alternative, which is that, look, I would love to bring you on as a contractor. The money might not be as much, but I still want you to come in. So I think what we need to do is firstly see each other. You know, my partner and I use that terminology a lot. When you see someone, it means you can hear their potential pain. And in order to do that, you will need to invite them to the table. Mm -hmm. So I think employers need to do that, but employees also need to know that they are their own savior not an organization. They can come to them with it. I think in, in this particular climate, mindset is key. Firstly, can we accept that we're all a little bit afraid? Can we accept that some of us, our identities have been absolutely you know, shaken to its core because mm. our work life was all that there was? The minute people get okay and vulnerable, as Brene Brown talks about, I think people will open up a lot wider to whatever the future holds for COVID. Because either way we're going to get out of this, I just say how. And what do we do when the next wave comes? Because sadly it will, but I want us to be prepared for if and when it comes. Yeah. Looking at that, I guess that theme of fear, you've been through it. Lots of people are going through it now and they can take stock in what you've just said, but overcoming that fear and regaining confidence and I guess re-challenging or resetting their, their mindset. Yeah. How, how can they go about doing that? So one, one thing I do that works for me, and it might not work for everybody, but please, whoever's listening, please try, give feedback to yourself, Jonathan, or whatever, is sit down, whether it's with you, ideally with yourself, because somebody else could make it worse, and go through the whole steps of what it is you are actually afraid of. Get really deep into it. So for me, when I left my job to start my own, so it could be, say, someone who's lost their job, I am fearful that I will not be able to pay my rent. And as a result, I am fearful that I will likely get kicked out, but then I am fearful that they're going to be sending me bills and I'm going to have to go to court. So that in itself might start raising things. But the more you do it in a controlled environment, i.e. your own, you start to take away the sting from the fear. And then once you get to the last one, which hopefully is not death, because for some reason, a lot of us are really scared of that death, but it's not actually death we're scared of. We're scared of not doing all the things we want to do before we die. Really spell out what that is. Firstly, you'll find out it's not as bad as you thought. And then the last one, which is where I get cheeky, is I dare you to action something. Email the landlord and explain exactly what you're going through, human to human. Be respectful 
give as much, you know, love centered, you know, ness around it, it is most likely they're going to come back with something. I completely understand. What can you propose? Then you take control. So I absolutely fear is there, but go through that step, ideally with yourself, not somebody else is going to throw you into more panic. And then you start to find solutions. I've done that with everything. It takes me a while sometimes, but it's worked. If there is any good to have come of this, do you think that people have rediscovered their humanity a little bit? I think they have, but I think there are two things. I think people have rediscovered humanity because when I hear the stories of someone going to the elderly and, you know, dropping some toilet roll, I mean, there was one incident where a gentleman picked up the last pack of toilet rolls when we were in like huge shortage mm. and a more mature lady came past and was sad and he bought it, met her outside and split it in two. Mm. You know, that has really sent a wave through that that human connectedness is still there. I think it's also waking a lot of people up, which is, huh, I've been signing up to this type of life, but it turns out that's not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that we actually have a lot of entrepreneurs born from COVID-19 because where we are relying on somebody else, we hope that we can now actually be the solutions to the problems. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. I mean, there should be so many different ways to do things now so many different ideas for businesses and you know the way the way things are done that it should actually kickstart the economy it might take a bit of time but it should actually kickstart the economy it should you know i'm seriously considering open up a cafe by september and i was telling my business manager that and she was laughing her head off and she said oh you want to go into the cafe business i said no i want to go into the relationship business Mm -hmm. i want to be the first point of contact when people come out of this and play some music and get them laughing because i know that coffee or that tea or that breakfast so absolutely there's opportunities and the minute you can get over the fear Mm -hmm. even if you're not an entrepreneur there are opportunities it's ridiculous so how do people grab those opportunities how do they see them how do they i guess process them that they can do something that is bigger than what they've done before yeah so i say this often i'm saying it now with more courage and boldness i believe our dreams choose us so if someone's listening to this and they had an idea trust me you think you thought of that idea that idea chose you so that's number one listen to it this ain't going to come out of anywhere something's going to pop up and that you've been thinking you want to do The next thing is don't overthink it. Just start doing a bit of research. If I say I want to open a cafe, what I need to start doing is just saying, thinking what kind of space is out there? You don't need to figure out the solution for everything. Mm -hmm. I truly believe you figure out what you want, why you want it. Whatever you believe in, because usually most of the time someone believes in something, even if it's themselves, you figure out what and why. The how and the when is usually left to something that's significantly more powerful than you. Mm -hmm. So that's what you can do, but nothing wrong with investigating because it will come to your dream chose you. So the steps will start to come in and then find a tribe you trust in and make it happen. So just to, I guess, sum what we've just spoken about up, Mm. what do you think are the greatest challenges at the moment? And from that, the greatest opportunities? I think the greatest challenge is the majority that I would call the 99%. And I'm not suggesting any is good or bad have hopes that the one, or let's just say 5%, if it's 95%, have hopes that someone else would find the solution for them. That's the challenge, because as a result, we're all waiting for the government to come up with some answers, some stimulus packages. That's where the opportunity is. It turns out that the one slash 5% are just as human as we are. Mm -hmm. So if they could do it, the centuries 
then now's the time for us to pick up. And it doesn't need to be bigger than Ben-Hur. I'm not trying to set up a Facebook or, you know, an Airbnb, but it might be something slightly smaller. So the opportunity is there, but first get the mindset right, i.e. get over fear, believe that you can do it, and then it will be achievable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that the key, I guess, to an economic recovery for businesses? Oh, I mean, that's one way, but then there's the human side to me that says, no, but really. Look, I have, I want to say, three accountants. I've got one chief financial officer, and the government is throwing out loans, and they are giving benefits and relaxations more than ever. I would be making the most of that. You know, I sat here with one of my businesses and I was thinking, okay, I think I've got enough float to operate. I don't need that loan. And every now and again, someone is saying this loan has the best terms ever. And I've now managed to convince myself that I'll do it because I've been a taxpayer for as long as I can think. You are not doing anything wrong. There is a reason why governments are pulling this out is because hopefully us and our ancestors have been building into that. So there's also an opportunity there. And there are opportunities for people to make the most of these funds to pivot and create another branch of their current business. So those mm-hmm. are the practical things, and they are there. You just need to get the right accountant to guide you. Yeah, yeah. So I guess just finally, got a, two more questions. What is your greatest hope, I guess, in the next five or so years coming out of this and moving forward? Honestly, my greatest hope is that those who are driving the world economically, socially, are as close to the representation of the world that lives in it. It's a big dream, mm-hmm. you know, I know we talk about equality and equity, but I want to go a bit more. I just want those who are the decision makers and whether it's the UN politics, I I haven't figured that out yet. I just want our leaders and decision makers to be representation of the world that lives in it. That's my biggest thing. I think things will change. I don't want to be unrealistic and assume that things can change in a day. Mm-hmm. But that's what I would hope for. I would hope business, I'm currently doing business with two women, something I've never done before, because I usually mm-hmm. do business with men, because most of the time they are the ones at the forefront. Mm-hmm. And it's a different kind of energy. I welcome both, but I, I need it. Sometimes I don't want to go in aggressive and hard in the negotiation battle. I yeah. actually want to maybe talk about vulnerabilities and then sign the deal and move on to the next. Mm-hmm. So I think when we have balance in how the world is being run, I think opportunities are going to be so much easier and better. Yeah, yeah. I just want to finish with, we've spoken a lot about dreams and you did mention bucket list before you die. Hopefully that's a long time away, but what is on your bucket list? Well, it's to to travel. It's funny because I'm not a big fan of flying unless I'm lying down and I'm sleeping through it. It's to travel. The world is so big and beautiful. And for some weird reason, I'm really interested in different cultures. I mean, I always have been, but more so now than ever. So I want to travel and, and live with the locals and understand stuff. And look, I think Other big dreams, I would really love to be on a stage one day and talking to thousands and ultimately millions. I was the girl that would hide and would shy away and I'm beginning to find my voice and I I really want to help others find theirs. So those are two. I think it's it's achievable, but those are the big ones because everything else is really reachable at the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yemi, thanks for your time. Thank you. 